0: What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to this month's edition of the Comics Pals Book Club, and we are here to talk about my favorite comic of all time, Invincible, by Mr. Robert Kirkman, uh, Corey Walker, Ryan Otley. Uh, pff, my my favorite book of all time, a conversation that's been long time coming. I know, at least for Sean, I've been trying to get him to read this book since we became friends. So yeah. very excited to dive into it this month and talk with the full cast of the Comics Pals. Of course, I have Sean here with me. Hello, hello. Phil. Hi. Marco. Or the Empire. Oh, oh boy. boy. Here we go. And Kale.
1: <laughs> I read the wrong book.
0: <laughs> what book you got? What'd you read? It's just
1: Invisibles by Graham Morrison. <laughs>
0: very yeah totally totally same no you're good you're good you'll get there okay exactly the same uh (laughs) so for those of you who uh who don't know uh, or haven't read the book before um as i'm sure there's a chance some of you may have clicked on this because of the upcoming uh cartoon which will be dropping next week and of course we will be reviewing that every week it comes out to make your make sure you tune in here again for that Uh, But, of course, it being my favorite book, it being back in the public eye, we thought it was time to uh, finally dig into this bad boy. And, of course, uh, Invincible, you know, is, um, you know, best known for being the second most famous work by Robert Kirkman after The Walking Dead. Um, But, you know, I think its it's legacy is kind of, you know, being one of those books that came out in that 2002 to 2004 image trying to relaunch the superhero line. It was... Pretty much the only book from that period that uh, stayed around um, that wasn't already a legacy title. Um, and it went on to uh, go for over 140 issues, um, just ending just a couple years ago. Um, and, you know, we, for this book club, wanted to get into kind of a little bit beyond the first arc. We read uh, up until issue 35 uh, because, you know, I think Invincible is famously a book that um, it takes a little bit before you really get to the meat of it. And I wanted to make sure that we got. Uh, at least where I thought the TV show would go, and and maybe a little bit beyond that. So if this is your first time coming in, if you have not read the book yet, uh, we are going to give just briefly our spoiler-free uh, thoughts on the book because this is really a story that you don't want spoiled for you. You want to go in um, as fresh as possible. So um, obviously I've already spoken my piece about how much I love the book, so let's let somebody else get a word in edgewise here. Uh, Sean, why don't you start? What were your spoiler-free thoughts on Invincible?
2: sure uh so this is a book that's been on my radar for a really long time and I always wanted to find my way into it I um I purchased I think it was the hundredth issue um so I actually owned that and I owned the last issue for no good reason <laughs> I read the 100th issue actually and I liked it but I didn't know. What the you hell is going been on? So <laughs> fucking confused. It's like in the middle of an arc, too. <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was cool. And I obviously knew Ryan, Ryan, um, Ryan Robert Kirkman. So I, I took the plunge. So now, after Pete's been pestering me for somewhere in the region of six years to read this thing, I finally took the plunge alongside the rest of the pals. And I have to say, um, it's definitely enjoyable. And I liked it. But I have a lot of problems. So we're going to dive into all of that. But before I relinquish my time, uh, I do want to share a piece of swag that I think I might have that Pete does not. That's Invincible related. So let's see if I can top you here today. What? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have this? The Invincible number one with the new cover.
0: I don't Some have it yet. The no. The TV show. You
2: don't. I don't have it yet. No. Well, that's pretty cool because this one's for you.
0: Oh, oh, thank you so much, bud.
2: You're welcome. You're welcome. I so really. Whenever we that. meet again, you will be having that in your collection. Beautiful. Yo, uh,
0: I saw a thing that people are getting in comic book stores now, where they have the, one of those cardboard standees uh, of Mark for the show, and I'm like, man, who do I gotta? What comic book store do I gotta rob to get my hands on one of those? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Phil, why don't you uh, why don't you give your spoiler-free thoughts? I really
3: enjoyed it. I thought the whole thing was really clever. I really like the characters, and I like uh, it, it'll do a thing that feels tropey and kind of either do the opposite or just treat it really flat in like a in a like a matter of fact kind of way. And I really appreciated that. And once you finally get the heat, oh, about twelve issues in or so, uh, it gets going. Which I uh, makes me want to read more. So I really enjoyed what I've read so far.
0: Awesome. How about yeah. you, Marco?
4: I think I think to that it, it definitely took a little bit for me to sort of get into it. Uh, definitely had fun with it. Uh, enjoyed what I read, but I think for me, had I, I felt like this would have been a little more enjoyable mm. month to month because I think Ooh. Uh, as you sort of read it all in one, it feels a little quickly paced, and that's not an issue necessarily. But um, I feel like it would have done a bit better from from that perspective. That that monthly you know, comic release. I do enjoy the the tropes that it lays out, and mm-hmm. the the sort of the ways the way that it goes, in contrast with some of the more real life moments, quote unquote. And yeah, I think one of the things that surprised me was, I guess, the first twist, just because you had mentioned that um i feel like on the main show the trailer might have given a lot away but i did not see any of it coming so I, I had a lot of fun with that with that piece and i'm looking forward to see how it sort of gets translated on the on the silver screen i but... son
3: throwing a baseball i didn't see that coming
0: oh no! <laughs> Kale. uh
1: yeah so um i this is my second time reading the compendium um I, I really enjoy Invincible. Um, one of my favorite genres of of comics is superhero that isn't big two adjacent.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and and Invincible really, um, even when it plays with that, uh, you know, with with the the pastiche of of the big two, it does it really well. Um, and it doesn't linger on it, which I really really like. Um, the, the, I think it, it mixes the, the superhero moments with the, the real life moments very well. Um, but man is Kirkman wordy. (sighs) Uh, We rag a lot on Bendis for being wordy, but man. (laughs) Uh, but that said for me, when I get started on this book, uh, I have trouble putting it down. Uh, it's very easy to just keep going, and I—that's yeah. uh, one of my favorite things about it. Um, and the—I mean—the characters are so—they're relatable, but they're of their time. <laughs> there yeah, was a, yeah. There was, we'll talk about uh, that. Uh, there's a moment where Mark says, uh, uh, "Just hold on one moment. I've got to go be with my girlfriend or whatever." And he says, "Just hold on one moment." You know, like teenagers say. <laughs>
0: um anyway it's i i really enjoy invincible so awesome so uh we got through the part of the review i was dreading the most i was really nervous that somebody was gonna just come with the hot hammer that they fucking hated it and i was like great this is gonna hurt me for two hours so i'm a lot more relaxed so uh <laughs> who would that have been who would that have been <laughs> Uh, I mean, honestly, it could have been any of you. You know, like you've all hurt me like that before. Oh <laughs> well, so, uh, I think I
2: might shatter some dreams today, but we'll continue we'll Please see. do. <laughs> That's what I'm here for.
0: <laughs> so, uh. So that is our spoiler-free thoughts on the book. Um, so, again, uh, we did read up to issue 35. If you want to get the full list of all the books that we read so you can read it before you get through, get into the spoiler full section of the show, um, that is up on our social media. We will be posting it again. Um, and if you are listening to this on Tuesday um, – oh, you know what? By this point, it will be too late to get the books for free, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I believe it – Kale's looking right now. I believe it ends on the day the show drops, but you can I confirm can, that. Isn't it? until april 22nd or you confirm for me right now we'll we'll let them know um but so we're gonna get into the spoiler full stuff section now so let's let's jump into it um so something that i think you know we all kind of touched on in our spoiler free thoughts right is that like um whereas something like you know Watchmen is is a deconstruction of the superhero genre i think invincible is really like a love letter to it you know um it, it pulls a lot from uh, a lot of kind of like silver age tropes and puts them in a then modern perspective right now, almost 20 years ago. Um, and and I think, you know, we all talked about how it, it does a good job of like leaning into those tropes to subvert expectations or to like talk about them in, in a unique way. Um, and, you know, it juggles a lot of kind of the things you would expect to contend with in like a big two book, right? Like there's capes, there's magic, there's sci-fi, there's there's all of those things. And I wanted to... uh, I guess I'll actually use this as an opportunity to pull uh, a question we got from the Discord. This one came from J-Man, who wrote it and said, "Uh, The twist is the biggest thing for Invincible in both making it unique and giving you a hook. But it does take about eight issues for it to be established. We're the first issues of the series to conventional a superhero story. So I think that is the thing um, that I always come to when I'm recommending somebody the book is like, Hey, I love this book. It's great for these reasons if you decide to take the plunge, please make sure you get to the end of the first volume, right? Issue 13 um, or 12. Um, How did you guys feel about that as a slow burn, right? Like we've been talking about Radiant Black recently on our reviews and um, we've been going on about how it's kind of like very by the numbers right now and we're hoping that it goes somewhere. Um, Were you guys feeling that fatigue in those first couple issues? And did you feel like the payoff was enough for that that groundwork.
1: I think the difference between Radiant Black, at least at this point, if I remember correctly from the first issue of Invincible, things happen pr- fairly quickly. It's at least reasonably quickly paced. You get in, you know the world, um, and there's not a ton of secret identity faffing around. Whereas with Radiant Black, it, it it's really trying to establish, like, an adult's world. Whereas with Invincible, it's based on every other superhero story.
0: Yeah, it's kind of able to use those things as shorthands for stuff yeah. that you already are familiar with.
4: It, that's, a, that,
0: that's actually a great point,
4: like, the shorthand. Because, you know, it, I guess <clears> there's <throat> almost an expectation from Kirkman that you understand where superheroes are what they are and what they sort of represent that you can kind of come in and see, oh, okay, cool. Like the uh, Guardians of the Globe are the Justice League. Exactly, right? Like Omni Man is the whatever analogy to uh Superman and this is his this is his son, etc. There's a lot there that you can draw parallels to that helps to cement you immediately. So you don't have to like necessarily figure out what everyone's deal is. I think what what I was in what I was sort of comparing it to was um Oh my God! Uh, Black Hammer, like there's, I feel like Black Hammer draws a lot of inspiration from this in terms of the way that it builds on some of the non-big two superheroes, and this is sort of a uh, not a diet version, but like a less uh, a less you know grim post Watchmen sort of uh, world where Black Hammer that's like the focus. This is very much more like the bright vibrancy of what superheroes can be. i don't
1: know if i agree with
0: that well maybe remove black hammer and put in the boys right or something else like that like i I think it does strike that balance of like the flavor is that kind of lighter like silver age superhero thing until it's not right yeah exactly and and i think because of that you get lulled
4: into this really nice pace um i think had it been me picking it up issue by issue, I might've dropped it just because I'm like, all right, like I get the gist of what this is and I'm not always partial to a superhero story. So I'll probably, you know, drop it at some point. But um, I think if it wasn't for the fact that it introduces me really quickly, almost like a manga, I probably wouldn't. um, I probably wouldn't have uh, dropped it just because there's a lot that goes on. in that first issue sets everything up. And then from there, you just kind of go rolling. And then that twist, that's when, you know, it's like, Oh, Okay, I get it. This is where we're here. This is why we're here.
2: also yeah, world... yeah, go ahead, Phil. I
3: was just gonna say the world building in our early issues, it does a really good job of kind of establishing everything, but then kind of letting go and moving on.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh so I've read the first trade of this before uh recording here. Um and I didn't like it. Uh, I thought it was really generic, I guess, um, and I didn't like the art. That was the biggest thing, and that that shifts um, and becomes a lot, uh, a lot more to my liking, I guess. Um, but I also knew about the the big twist. Uh, uh, I found out. I don't even know how I found out, but I, I I've, I've known about it. So it was easier for me to hang on because I knew that something major was coming, and the only sure. question for me was just how is that going to happen. Um, and so I guess it's kind of difficult to to uh, evaluate the series from a perspective of not knowing, because I've never not known. But um, the first issue is interesting, and the first few, because they really are, at least they feel really um, fast, like they get you through so much so quickly. And it's kind of fun, like you're getting to learn about Mark, and he's, you know, this interesting character. And you know his dad is this major superhero and it definitely gives you superman vibes as as has been said here um and obviously at this point the concept of a of a of a bad superman is something that we've seen time and time again but what makes this different is that the focus is not on him the focus is on his son and that completely turns that dynamic on its head Because now he has to contend with what he's dealing with. And there is definitely a difference between the book before you learn this information and after. So I think that the reveal was super successful. And the biggest way it was successful is that there's this sequence where, you know, uh, Omni Man is explaining to his son like where he comes from and stuff. And then you see that same sequence kind of mirrored, oh, but yes. now you're learning the truth of it. And I thought that that was one of the moments where Robert Kirkman, as a as an artist, came through like as a as a true storyteller, really shines. Where he uses that mirror, and it's like, damn, this is screwed up. Um, so I really like that. And the first twelve or so issues are fine. Would I have stuck with it initially if I were just a, a weekly reader? Probably um, just because it was interesting enough that I could have gotten by with that at 13 years old. Sure. Yeah, for sure.
4: I, I like your point on like the mirroring, because I think that was definitely a super effective tool because, you know, it, it's the, again, leaning on the tropes that one would know for superheroes, right? It's like, oh, this is just a superhero origin, right? Like, cool. This is the baseline. Now I can go on from here and build everything else on top of that. But you sort of get put in a similar situation as Mark, where it's like, "Well, wait a minute. I was lied to as the reader, but I can only imagine what this now means for Mark." And and that gets played up by the fact that uh, he finds out, you know, because he sees Omni Man actually murder uh, a, a teammate, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So Sean, you said something that um, I-, I wanted to to pull on. so you talked about the way that um that Kirkman tells stories right and and the way that he establishes that that moment so that it can be reestablished later and and kind of subverted and again, right there's a lot of that subversion in, in invincible and I a- apologize if I if I use that word 20 more times but uh mm-hmm. but what I another thing about the way he tells stories that is always that I really connected to and I think I noticed it for the first time in Invincible is um the way that he really commits to both short form and long form storytelling throughout throughout the context of of the run. Mm. So um I like the way that he lays threads that like loom long and and the way that like the story will ebb and flow through like arcs that do kind of have a regular beginning and end but there will be these other whether it's minor characters, minor moments that are established and you might forget about and then 10, 15, 20 issues later, right, like that peaks its head again. So with that in mind, um, did that was that something that resonated with you guys? Was that something that, that you clocked as it was happening? Yeah, you know, Marco made a
3: comparison to manga, and that's like a thing you see in a lot of manga, is the ability to kind of and older comic books as well i guess is the ability to kind of tell a self-contained story in a single issue which there's a mm-hmm. lot of in this book uh you know earlier on he meets a guy who's uh he comes to the planet to check up on it basically and uh, alan the alien alan my boy alien. that's right and he's told to fight him and he talks to him and you think this is just a great standalone issue and it was but then it kind of plays off later um that's a real talent i think that's really difficult to do is uh, kind of have uh, a, a long-term goal you're going uh, you're, you're going for as as a writer but you're able to keep everything insulated and in single issues as well i, I really appreciated that
4: i uh, my thought as i experienced like that alien the alan the alien specifically was that damn this is the kind of shit that phil is gonna like <laughs> <laughs> like immediately i was like oh this is like okay cool it's a contained story and then he pops up like a few issues later and it's like oh cool he came back to like tell this this whole story and then he has a standalone issue i'm like oh damn like no this is like a long this is a long play and then you get other moments where like robot for example is a long ass play
0: like yeah that you don't get to see until issue, what, 30? And it's maybe? it's never the main story, right? It's right. never once been the main thing that's going on. Mark has no idea that it's happening. It's mm-hmm. happening on the periphery. And and that definitely impressed me because I think
4: something else that, like, uh, we we got up to a point at th- issue 35 where we haven't even addressed um, uh, one of the, the college friends.
0: I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Um, the one from high school who he moved in with or the other one? The other one, not William. I wanted um, to bring that up. Rick. Okay. Yeah, Rick yes. uh, Sheridan yes. is the friend that he makes at college, right? And, like, that whole thing playing out that he's been missing for several months. And we as a reader know where he is, but no one else does right now. Right. Th- that's that's done so effectively
4: because, you know, as they finish storylines, as or as Kirkman and Otley finish storylines you can see where sort of the next one goes. And maybe it might not go directly to this one, but you can still see it playing in the background. It's so they bring it up every once in a while, like, hey, remember this. And one, that's obviously for the for the narrative, but also as the reader, like, oh, that's right. What's going to happen to that? Like, and for me, where we stopped was a really nice sort of conclusion. But um, I'm going to go back and finish the compendium because I'm like, well, what the hell happens to
1: Rick? Sure. Mm-hmm. I me tell you, the compendium, the first one, ends very unsatisfyingly no shut up <laughs> like you have to go buy the second one
0: yeah i i uh i intentionally picked this end point because i thought it was the best place early in the narrative where a few things are tied up and there are a few things still up in the air right now so it would like give you guys some conclusion but also like see if there were things that you you connected with that you wanted to pull on
3: you're just trying to con us into doing another part
0: yeah. When season two comes out, we're doing another
3: part. You kidding me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got my back door in, baby. <laughs> it's
2: like a Marco and Swamp thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that was one of the problems that I had with the book. Uh, okay. As it relates to the, oh. the yeah. So Expound. like, <laughs> first of all, I felt like there were an inordinate amount of characters Um, And it really felt like Kirkman was trying to do Spider-Man, but not over the course of 40, 50, 60 years with all these different creators. Just let's do Spider-Man, but in a hundred some odd issues. And that's a lot of stuff to pack in. And so there are characters right now that I know I saw who I can't tell you anything about because there were so many Mm. that some got lost in translation for me. And maybe that wouldn't have happened if I was reading this week to week. That's why I totally agree with what Marco said before. Um, But reading them so quickly back to back, you just kind of breeze through it and some people just get lost. Um, But in addition, uh, I wish there was more time to just spend directly with characters in a more straightforward arc. And that's something that I picked up on in, in um, the, uh, the letters page where Kirkman talks about how he doesn't like traditional story arcs. And I do. So that's a fundamental thing that I'm probably never going to vibe with Kirkman on. Um, and there were some spaces where his strategy works like angstrom levy was a character that was built up over time Mm. and i really liked seeing his progression and there were some others too but we read through 35 issues and i feel like he fought like 20 something different villains um none of whom really really got their day uh he has so many allies and heroes and friends like it's just crazy and then when you juxtapose that with this very decompressed style of writing dialogue where there's like a million and one, um, you know, bubbles on a page, could we not have focused a little more? It felt unfocused. And that was one of the problems that I have with the book.
0: And, and I think that's fair. You know, I think for me, like that's one of the things that stuck out about the book because it was different, you know, and like that struck a chord with me. And I, I'm interested to see how you feel about some of those, like some of the characters that you think that way about now. Like, will you feel that way when we get to issue fifty or issue? Probably seven? not. And I don't know, right? And I, yeah. either way, um, I you know, if 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 yeah, I I can totally I, I get what you're saying for sure. Um, even though I think like for me, that's kind of like the thing that sh- made it strike a chord with me in the first place was that like it it felt fresh in that way that it was like doing things differently. And that it is a world that feels like so deep that you really can't see all of it.
4: I, I think I agreed with Sean up until the point where the robot arc sort of started, like actually started. Yeah. And then I figured that for me, it felt sort of, okay, he's going to sort of focus on these characters, but in, in the background of what's going on with, invincible and we late we already laid out sort of the thread with adam eve and i feel like that's obviously going to have to be expounded upon and he's playing with the characters that i feel like he cares about which to your point you kind of want to like have uh and, and correct me if i'm wrong but you kind of want to have that for the for sort of mm. each of the characters how the relationship between villains work and like like there's like a little bit more to be built on uh which i think that he can but I don't think that that's his priority right now. And mm. once I sort of reconciled that, at least for me, I sort of found it a little bit easier to to go through and just kind of accept, okay, we're going to focus on this character. It looks like we're going to focus on this character next. And maybe down the line, we're probably going to focus on XYZ person.
0: One thing that I think is interesting too, and this is something I'm realizing now, because this is, uh, I've only read through all of, Invin- of Invincible once, but I've read this part of it now, this is the third time. And something that I noticed in this reading is that I think that um, some of that kind of like gasping for air to get as much out as you can gets alleviated as the book goes on. Because, A, you're more familiar with the characters and like the status quo has already been established and everything. But also the book was more popular and it wasn't really in jeopardy anymore. And I think that that's part of... My read on the earlier arcs is Kirkman's like I want to do everything I want to do in case this is the last arc, you know. Um, so I I'm interested to see how you guys feel about that as as we do uh, get further into it some at at some point. <laughs> um I think, I don't know, go ahead, Kel. Yeah, I think too it's a case
1: of Kirkman, both as a writer and then sort of acting as like. Well, sort of shifting his uh, POV, you know, so are we focused on Mark for the whole time or, and, you know, is that, is this Mark's story or are we going to shift around so that the, like the, the, the narrator who you see a couple of times in like the Alan alien stuff. And, um, you know, is it, is it the type of POV that is, uh, first person? Is it following, uh, Mark? Is it f- uh, an all encompassing narrator who knows everything? Sure. He's sort of, yeah. it, it feels like he's picking and choosing a bit. So, so and, I think to and... go ahead, Mark. Sorry. Sorry, Sean. I mean, uh, Kale, we get going to finish. <laughs> Uh, well, and to Sean's point, you know, if you're looking for a villain to get his day, if Kirkman has his favorite characters, and he's sort of picking and choosing who the story is going to be about, you know, those the characters you like are probably going to get short short drifted.
4: Right. <clears throat> and that's where I think is, to Sean's point, the unfocused part. Where like I I'd agree to that extent, um, but I think I was a little more willing to give it a bit of leeway.
2: Oh, I I mean I I give it I'm I, I give it leeway. I, I don't um, I don't hate it for that. That's just no, something no, sure. that you know came up and I and I noticed and was like it ah. created
0: friction for you.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. I think that's legit. Um, there, something that you guys touched on, I did want to uh tap into. So kind of um in line with that like compressed storytelling, right? And the fact that there are kind of like there are kind of two kinds of issues of Invincible, right? There's a normal issue of Invincible where it's about Mark and a things happening or one of the other characters. And then there are um, these kind of like outlier issues that are, you know, there there's like the great example of like issue number 0, which is effectively a recap that was to bring on new readers or whatever. But I'm thinking more like the second half of issue 25, right, where you get the origin stories of every other superhero that we know that's been a major player at this point, pretty much. And um, that, that, uh, those issues, right, they are kind of an extension of that love letter to comics thing where, like, Kirkman writes these very, like, hokey-jokey captions. It's very much, like, aping and lampooning that kind of, like, old-school style and you know, it's it's like very corny at times, but I also think that,, um, I think it's it's effective to to establish those characters and give us things to hold on to with them as we move forward with them, right? And like, I think it speaks to how much he had to say about this world and and the characters that he did create and that he wants the characters that he wants you to feel something about to feel, you know, fleshed out and and like they're multi-dimensional multi-faceted whereas some of the characters are just kind of like you know throwaways
2: i so i didn't yeah uh i i really enjoyed seeing the backstories for some of these characters and and you know one thing you definitely can't throw at this series is that you know it doesn't feel lived in it feels very Mm -hmm. much like something that exists and exists independent of mark and that's super cool um because you don't really see that a lot in comics i feel um but my anymore, biggest especially sorry
1: anymore especially, in, especially yeah. in superhero comics
2: yeah yeah i think that's fair to say or at least in, in superhero comics like the world is lived in because it's been around for so yeah. long yeah yeah um it has history. Newer...
0: not it was written to have history
2: like, compare that to Radiant Black, where it feels like everything starts happening at the same time this guy gets his powers, right? Like, there's no... We're only two issues deep, but there's nothing else going on. And everything is centered around him, whereas, you know, there's so many other heroes here, and Omni-Man was already someone, and, you know, there's a system in place, and he just kind of grows up into it. Um, but I compare it to, like, Ultimate Spider-Man, which was something that was happening at the same time. And... Yeah. um Ultimate Spider-Man has less characters, probably. Um, and when they appear, you're probably more immediately aware of them because it's like, all right, yeah, this might not be Eddie Brock, 616 Eddie Brock, but you get it already. You know you know what Venom is, you know? So there's like less work he has to do, Bendis did, than Kirkman to establish these characters. But um, Kirkman like, takes a long time to get there. Like, Monster Girl, I can't remember what issue she was introduced in, but... Like, two. Issue, no. Issue two. no, 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 no.
0: It's it's during the Guardians of the Globe tryouts, which like is, like, after... That's, oh, like, sorry. issue seven or eight. It's the second issue that Otley wrote.
2: He that's actually posted about it on Twitter today. Right? Right? That's what it was. Yeah. That's what I so, saw. Monster Girl's my favorite character, and... Ooh! Yeah, I, okay. I thought she was awesome, and... um. I wanted more knowledge of her faster. And because this story is not structured in a way where it's an arc, so it's it's going to focus on these characters. I had to wait something like 13 issues to get more information about this character. Like, yeah, there's bits and pieces, but to get concrete details, I had to wait a while. Yeah, And that was something that bothered me. Obviously now that I know those things, You know, going forward, it won't matter. But because I don't know what comes later, speaking just about now, that was definitely something that I felt frustrated by. Black Samson and the other dude whose name I don't even remember being in a coma for, like, forever. um, You know, I wanted them. I wanted more from them. And it just took a while to get that. Oh,
0: man. I... uh... I just, (laughs) I'm like thinking about stuff that happens like 50 issues from now, you know, it's like, Oh shit. Like, I can't wait for you to see this, you know, (laughs) I'll, uh, I'll say that the,
4: that origins issue, I did not, I did not enjoy. I think I skipped it. Yeah. I like kind of blew through it just because it's, it's good to know, but it felt very like, well, here's who they are. And I didn't get to sort of see them interact necessarily. so i i kind of uh i kind of like skimmed it a little bit looked at the art i'm like all right i get it like you know this is these are the origins and read some of the caption boxes and kind of just moved on because i wanted to get back to the story right because i felt like if if it had been integrated into the story that would have been like the moment i'm like oh I'm, i'm sold on these characters
0: and and i think that's kind of um that's the compromise he makes i think With those, right, is, like, here's a really compressed way for me to tell you something that there's no natural way for me to bring up. Because, Mm -hmm. like, what, like, how do you naturally have uh, a a character, like, duplicate and and her her twin, like, have their powers explained? It's like, well, you know, uh, eight generations ago, my grandfather was cursed, and I don't know that, (laughs) but, you know what I mean? Like, then there's shit like that where it's like, hey, like, this is just a way for me to impart information that I would like you to know. Uh, without having to have like them sit around and talk about so what's your superhero origin story you know friend like that kind of thing um, I-, I totally understand you guys handling it that way though um, that's why I brought it up
5: mm-hmm.
0: How about you Phil?
3: See I don't I don't care that it, like you can drop me in this book and in, introduce a character like alan the alien and for me I, I i thought that was the only time i would ever see that character and i was fine with that yep and even when you go back and read old x-men comics you know you're introduced to character even in like giant size x-men like you don't necessarily know you know my favorite x-men character is nightcrawler you don't know that character's whole deal necessarily right out of the gate but you know over 40 years or whatever you, you know other character, other writers and artists iterate on those characters. so you know th- how many issues did this whole book run Pete? I believe it's 144. So I mean we've read 35 out of 144. I, I, I went into this fully expecting that I wouldn't know everything about
2: everyone. Sean, you laughed what's up um I just think that that's a crazy comparison uh, well. <laughs> I mean like Nightcrawler is a character who's published by Marvel and there's an expectation that he's gonna exist forever. And obviously other writers have taken him and done additional things with him. But if this is all that there is for these characters and it's a singular individual's vision, uh, Kirkman has total control over the dissemination of the information. And this is the only information we're gonna get is what he tells us over the course of these 144 issues. Um, And so, yeah, like you didn't read Nightcrawler when he was first published. So you have the benefit of being, you know, able to talk about the character 30 years yeah. or 20 years after he was created, you know? Yeah.
3: Well, and and what I'm getting at is, you know, if I only read that first volume of, of you know, um, Uncanny X-Men from like 1975 through like 1976 or whatever, you know, all I have is what's put in front of me. And that's the similar expectation I have here with these 35 issues. I... You know, there are over 100 other issues to go. I mean, I, I I can sit back and say, there's more to come. I don't know everything. So I, I, there's, there's a plausible deniability here.
0: So in terms of that more truncated kind of delivery system, like how do you feel about that as a concept? Like, did, was that something that worked for you as a way to give you information about the characters in a way that was like digestible or do you feel like more like marco or in kale where you kind of wanted it to be contextualized in the narrative more
3: maybe I, I i can see that um kale the very beginning mentioned that robert kirkman can be really wordy and that certainly is true especially when he's trying to when you said that uh, he wasn't sure how long this book would last for, it made more sense. He wanted to get all his stuff in. And, you know, if it gets canceled, it gets canceled. He got all the stuff in, right? Uh, that makes it that makes it kind of info dumpy and it crams a lot in a single issue. But it didn't bother me. It Really, I felt transported back to this kind of time in comics too. Uh, so maybe I was along for the ride. Uh, I was okay with it
0: cool so uh that that takes us to kind of i think one of the other major elements of of invincible as a story that i wanted to try and touch on right which is um kind of that juxtaposition of of the like the light and the dark right that uh, a large amount of the subject matter of invincible is kind of um you know like i said like this more sunny silver age kind of stuff there's a lot of you know Personal problems, and you know, um, how oh, he's trying to juggle his life and his girlfriend, and like that kind of typical Spider Man shit. But then there is also kind of like, uh, the exploration of like Mark's mother's, you know, uh, collapse after Nolan leaves Man. and her becoming an alcoholic, right? Um, Mark and, and Art, right? Just, uh, struggling with, um, the idea that, the, the Nolan, the Omni-Man that they felt they knew was maybe never a real person. Um, but then there's also kind of like, you know, in a probably more visceral sense in terms of the darkness, like these very, very, you know, um, bloody, like violent fucking fights. Yeah. And they're not all that way, right? But like when it goes there, it fucking goes there, right? Like we talked about Angstrom Levy and then the, the resolution of, of that, uh, storyline, that entire uh moment is is heavy, right? And is 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 scary. Uh, and then is very, very violent. And um this is another question from J-Man from the Discord, right? Something inherently tied to Invincible is that it's seemingly lighthearted series, only to then have extreme violence and heavy drama. Are those shifts jarring or enjoyable? No, they're super enjoyable. I the
4: there was a moment where I was reading this and then the part where Mark's mom just like collapses and says, like, why do you drive him away? And I was like, oof. Yeah. Fuck. Like I turned to Mary and I was like, fuck. She's like, what's up? It's a good book. I'm like, dude, it's heavy shit. Um Yeah. But it I think it it's balanced really well because it uses contrasts a lot. And yeah, it goes from it goes from the moments of, you know, lighthearted superheroism to uh, real life drama to uh, heavy superhero shit to lighthearted family adventures. And and it it uses those sort of like, in my mind, those, um, those four boxes of storytellings and just kind of like bounces around between those sort of sectors. And because it's able to do that, it crosses lines pretty seamlessly because you can place those all within like, you know, similar... Um within like a similar space, right? Like it'll go from oh, we're gonna go lighthearted superhero and then drop down to a lighthearted adventure and then go to oh heavy superhero violence and then heavy drama, right? It because it's so close to each other, it it's able to transition seamlessly and it's able to transition in a way that affects you as a reader. And I definitely felt that. I I thought that those um those weren't necessarily dissonant but they helped augment each other because you go from such a mood to such another extreme mood and that elevates that work
3: yeah to add to that i would say that is jarring though but in a good way so that yes. when you do get to extreme violence um like when you find out about Om- uh, omni man for instance that's incredibly jarring but it's captivating it's mm-hmm. compelling uh, and it's because everything that's been established up to that point doesn't lead you to believe that's where it's going. And I it makes it, that point in a really aggressive way.
0: It makes the stakes feel real.
1: Mm. Well, it, it certainly makes them higher.
0: Yeah. Kelly, you were going to jump in when I asked the question. Did you have something there?
1: Yeah. So um, I, I obviously agree with what's been said. I do think it's uh, done really well. However, I think there, there are points where it diverts maybe a little too quickly specifically in your angstrom levy example uh he kill mark kills angstrom levy at the at the end of the conflict um and then he kind of walks around lost about it for a minute you know he's he's lost in another dimension or whatever and then he comes home and cecil packs pats him on the back and says ah that's all right kid you'll get you'll do better next time and at least with what we read,
0: it felt uh, quick. Like it felt like a quick resolution to that. I would I would ask that you go look and see how Mark reacts to what Cecil says. Mm. Like right now? I mean, you don't have to look at it right now. But <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I, I think um, for the most part that didn't bother me because, you know, if the goal is to make this feel authentic, then I think violence between uh super people would probably often be kind of messy and, and, and bloody. Um, and it really drove the, the point home when Omni man's bad and that's the point of that scene. But then it's punctuated by the fact that he just like basically stuck his fist through someone's body. Right. Yeah. Um, that's pretty intense Mm -hmm. and if he's superman for this story when have you ever seen especially in 2003 um superman really do something like that you know that's that's like really major so um that didn't bother me much i guess sometimes there were like under undersold reactions um to, to 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 major major violence in the book Doesn't, at this point anyway, seem to be that interested in wrestling with what that is or what that means. Mm -hmm. And I actually was surprised when I saw that, that this is not, not surprised this is your favorite book, but like you've talked about gratuitous violence before. And to this point anyway, the book's violence is in some parts effective, but also in other parts feels like violence for violence sake, like hyper violence for hyper violence sake. And uh, I'm surprised to never have heard you really like speak to that. So how do you feel about it? So the the way I feel about it is
0: uh, there are kind of two scenarios for me in which hyper violence connects with me. And one of them is um, when it's done in a, in a slapsticky kind of way, like think like, um, think like this scene in kick-ass where you meet hit girl for the first time right like that shit's funny to me um because it's so absurd that it's like totally removed from reality right whereas with invincible what i like about it is that i i think that the the hyper violence um i think it it grounds the the conflicts in a way that makes them feel really really tense because i remember when i was reading the book for the first time every time and and i probably didn't realize this until around where we are right in the story that every fight and and not even every fight like any given moment could be lethal for any character right except probably mark um and and that set that in my mind and that was that is something that um that the book comes back to again and again, and it it echoes itself, and it becomes more and more a theme throughout in terms of, like... Because, right? Because up until this point, this is the first really violent thing that Mark is, like, had to do, you know, that wasn't, like, in the context of something insane, right? Like, the entire planet's under attack by aliens, right? Okay, like, shit's gonna get bloody. Um, Beating a guy to death because you want him to be dead is a way different thing than that, right? And how he grapples with that, how those kinds of decisions are things that continue to come up and how those, the choices that he makes or doesn't make impact him or the people he cares about or his, his own like sense of like right and wrong are things that, um that I, I are why I find it compelling.
4: I um Sean, do you have any, as uh, like a specific example. Cause I guess for me, I sort of expected more violence from what I had sort of imagined. So for me, it, none of the scenes necessarily came off as like hyper violence. And one of the things that I sort of imagined was
0: like, Sean's like, face <laughs> for you audio listeners. Sean's dude, eyes dude, dude. just bulge. He's like, what?
2: <laughs> I mean, did we read the same book? He obliterated Levy or Levy.
4: He does, but like. That's actually, a Tuesday like, from Arco, dude. I mean, I guess apparently, <laughs> and and I guess like if, if it, I've at this point have read worse that maybe I'm just like desensitized to a certain extent of it. But I I expected, <laughs> I expected worse to like when it came
3: to the
2: violence piece. I've read worse, but I don't think that that negates how violent certain scenes are.
3: Yeah, each book is a different experience. Like your tolerance for the level of violence in a book is is weighed by
0: like the book you're reading or whatever you know what i mean and i think it's you, fair to say i think the violence in this book does feel more extreme because it's juxtaposed it against normal stuff yeah exactly
3: mm-hmm. and and you know what makes uh, what i i was kind of thinking back on it and i think moments like you know uh when, when mark is reunited with his dad and he has like there's like real palpable drama where he's like i'm mad at you because of like who you are, but we had like 18 years together and i can't ignore that so he's that like, was great yeah that that felt like a very believable moment and it made um it made omni-man feel like a person
5: mm-hmm. even
3: though like the last i don't know like t- 10 issues at that point he'd been kind of um uh, kind of deconstruction and all his humanity had been stripped away like when you are returned to him it's like oh well he's still you know, he's still Mark's dad. And so, like, when you, uh, this goes back to Mark's uh, Marco's original whole point, where it's like, you get this hyper, hyper, uh, hyper violence juxtaposed
0: with like this very real drama. I think it plays off one another really well. So, you touched on something there, Phil, that I, I kind of wanted to to bring up. And I'm, I'm specifically interested um, in hearing Sean's thoughts about this, because it's something that's come up in, in a lot of other conversations we've kind of had, right? About, um, the way that the book presents uh the scale of morality right and this idea of and i think omni man is the best example uh of, of up to where we are but it is a theme that runs throughout the book is that you know people are complicated and that you know we are you know the sum of of all of our good and bad actions right and that omni man um can simultaneously be the person who Uh, led this double life and did all these good things and saved all these people. And on some level, that life was real. Uh, But then he betrays that, right? And he becomes a murderer. He kills friends that he trusted, that he cared about, um, really without a second thought. And it isn't until he's driven to, you know, uh, killing his his son, his only child, um, that he's really forced to grapple with you know his people's philosophy and and how he feels right and then when we meet him again we see he's a changed person and he's a person who has realized the error of his ways and adopted this new philosophy um but you know uh to borrow from another comic book right uh adaptation um they're still read in that ledger right so what does that mean for omni-man what does that mean for nolan as a as a person um and that that theme of of right and wrong and and you know what is what is your legacy and how does it loom is something that um we've discussed how it impacts mark already right now but it's something that kind of is is echoed throughout the entire run of the series how did you guys and and again i'd like sean to start how did you guys feel about how that was handled pete i don't know what you're talking about everything for the empire (laughs) you would say that you son of a bitch you'd sell us out in a fucking second Marco's dad tells him that they're aliens. They're going to take over the whole planet. Marco's like fucking sick.
3: When do we start?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, to this point, I'm not sure that the book has had a ton to say about morality. Um, I think that the, the relationship between Mark and his dad is certainly complex, but there's no there's no um, gray in his father because his father is a stone cold killer who did it because he did it. You know, he did it because that's just what he does. That's what, that's what he's down for. And um, it wasn't for a good reason. It wasn't because it needed to be done from a, you know, an objective perspective. It's just like, that's where he's from and that's just what they do. Um, And so I guess I saw like from my read, I saw that when Mark kills Levy, he's contending with, well, am I like my dad? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I have this capacity to just body somebody, you know, is that who I want to be? And when Cecil tells him, ah, it's fine. He's like, no, it's not fine. Like, like that's, I don't remember the exact verbiage, but I that was the vibe I got from him. I think him. he, like,
0: looks at his feet and just goes, okay, like, yeah,
2: okay. Right, but he doesn't think it's fine. No. And so that's a thread that I'm interested in seeing play out a little more. But if, to be honest with you, it doesn't feel nuanced, at least right now. And okay. I suspect that that probably won't change because Mark is objectively – he. I don't mean this the way it sounds, but he's like a Mary Sue in the sense that he, to this point, everything he does is either correct or he immediately knows that he messed up and it's fine. Um, And obviously that could change, but that's where the story is right now. And so the deeper conversations about morality and like righteous murder or whatever haven't risen to the surface yet for me.
0: Yeah, right. Anybody else have any thoughts on that? I think that's fair.
4: Um, I I guess I, I had sort of conflated his treating or like his his whole speech when he tells Mark that they didn't matter, that they didn't um, that his mom didn't matter, et cetera uh, with that sort of scale. but I think to your point, Sean, there wasn't there isn't that nuance quite yet it's just sort of like well this is sort of his you know his brainwashing to some extent and this is how he had sort of changed and i think i think there's a conversation for like the capacity to change and that i think might be a more fair conversation to have because he he leaves or at least he's he's able to integrate himself into human life and he's able to build his relationships until he sort of, he's sort of conflicted by his, you know, the, the programming of what he grew up on on, on And from that point on, he has to sort of balance, well, am I still loyal to that? Am I not? And it ends with uh, the, the first time we see him leave, it ends with him, well, I'm now loyal to the next time that we see him. Well, I've had time to reflect. I think there's, I think there's a better conversation on like how to grow than the morality necessarily. Uh, and and I, I was definitely interested with with what he, what Kirkman had to say about that because the some of the most powerful sequences was when Mark made it back, made it to that planet, and all you see are his fists, and you see them tighten, and you see him mm. like get mad, and you see him like really feel those things in beats and there's no text it's just sort of it's just sort of omni-man saying stuff and there's no text but you can feel what mark is going through and then he has to accept that well i have to give him a chance because one he's he's my father but two i believe that he has the capacity to to change and i believe that he has reflected on this and and then he breaks down and cries and, and they hug and that's a
3: huge moment it's it doesn't my read on it wasn't that it we've done so many book clubs at this point where we kind of um, talk about what the nature of morality is. And as Sean put it, like justified murder or what have you, Uh, that's not really the tone I get when I read this, it it feels more rooted in like, like the individual. So like when, when Mark goes to visit the mantis uh, aliens, Uh, and he finds his dad it feels like he's like a divorced kid going to visit his his dad who's remarried someone Mm. it feels like it's more rooted in like relatable interpersonal drama than like the moral like it does that thing that superman comics do where it's like it takes something and, and makes it much bigger so like when super like when a guy walks his dog superman walks his you know he walks crypto around jupiter or whatever like this ups the ante of everything that happens in such a giant way but the root of it all is just the things that are relatable to like the person reading it maybe so when you find out what's going on with omni-man uh issue 12 or whatever you absolutely read it from mark's perspective like he just found out his dad isn't like a heinous person but he's not a really in person it's like earth shattering um it doesn't really ask you to consider omni-man's perspective like you're reading it from mark's perspective you know
0: that is what i think makes that so effective it's it's the the juxtaposition or, or not even like the juxtaposition i suppose but like the way that they have both mark and and art the tailor talk about um the, the Nolan that they knew and that that wondering if, like, that was ever real at all, mm. right? Um, and, like, Art, um, you know, I, I think is such a great character. And I love the way that he's, like, when he finds out that Nolan uh, started a new life and, and everything, he's happy about that, right? Because it's, like, it doesn't take away the things that he did that were wrong, but it, it contextualizes the person that he knew as not being... Uh, a fabrication right and and i I like the way that it kind of um and again this is something that you'll get into more as the story goes on right is kind of like is you know like sean right like you said right like nolan is a a cold-blooded fucking killer at this point like he's committed genocide probably dozens hundreds thousands of times uh he's got a hell of a lot of blood on his hands but like that's the society he comes from and how much of that is the way he was raised or conditioned and all those kinds of things, you know, and that, like, it's not fair to necessarily judge an alien by human standards of morality, right? And, like, I wouldn't argue that that's true, but it contends with that, right? There's a moment where when they're meeting uh, on this planet, right, like, Omni-Man gets really angry, and he has a moment where he's like, "How, how can you presume that your way is the right way, right? That you're, like, you're people's philosophy is is right and mine is wrong
2: the the problem for me is that 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 argument falls away when he he's already kind of accepted that there's a flaw in the way that he that in the way that he was raised um and he chose to live on earth peacefully and have a family and things like that um and it isn't until he realizes like damn i'm too deep into this and now my son has powers like this is reaching a point where i gotta make a choice here mm-hmm. and nothing else matters to him other than his son and in at least in that moment that felt genuine that he really didn't care about earth like it wasn't that serious for him yeah. um but his son's defense of earth his son making the the, the the play of like, not only do I matter, but Earth matters. Mom matters. Everything that you've done and experienced there matters. And he's kind of like, all right, well, I'll just kill you then. But then he can't kill his son. And I, I firmly believe he would have blown Earth up with no problem had his son not been there. yeah um And so, yeah. uh, uh, again, like, it's really difficult to find a way to... Rationalize or like see reason within Nolan's perspective because he doesn't, mm-hmm. and <laughs> like, I mean, that's really it. Like, he yeah, doesn't even, yeah. It, it it feels
3: analogous a little bit to like, uh, kind of the Vegeta thing in the Majin Buu saga, where it feels like you know, Omni Man is going through like this midlife crisis about the man he used to be, and uh, he's trying to live up to his heritage in this case being like basically like a pro- like a prodigy at conquering planets but he got too comfortable and he's got to like rectify with that and that feels like something that he's got to deal with down the road like he feels like a dad going through a midlife crisis he gets married and has another
0: kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah and <laughs> you know yeah 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 totally and and i i i love um and, and i think that Plays into the whole like divorce narrative that you pulled out there, right? Where like I like the way that the book uh, takes regular grounded things and makes them feel super heroic or feel like normal within that context, right? Um, and then like that that's like kind of a good uh, transition point. Unless anybody has any other points on that that element. Um, I just wanted to shout out Art because I feel like he. He still held
4: to his belief that, you know, deep down there was something within Nolan that was still there of what he recognized. And and I think that sort of because Mark at that point lost his father and needed sort of a father figure, they started to build a little bit of a of a better relationship. And um they were able to sort of be open about that kind of stuff with each other. Yeah. And how they felt. And and that sort of gave and this was after he'd already seen uh, his dad again. It gave him a little bit of hope moving forward, which I thought was a nice just like a nice touch.
2: I'm so glad you said that because that that reminded me that I I definitely felt like for a dude who like killed a good chunk of earth's mightiest if you will, um and now is known to be you know, a person who was there to dominate the planet and stuff, he gets off easy with everybody. <laughs> e- everybody. How, who, like, and that was everyone. Everyone's kind of like, nah, you know, I'm sure there was a real person under there. Mm. There has to be. Um, <laughs> you know, Mark is like, I All think right, that's well, only Mark and dad. Art. Even the mom. The mom oh, sure. when she when when he brings the kid, she's like or but even before she knows about the kids, she's like, Well, did he mention me? Um, he's a murderer. He wanted to kill you. He does not care about you, dude.
4: Yeah, but but it's, you build up such a relationship with a person that you yeah. can't just wash away what like 15 plus years like, just like that. Like
2: yes, Okay. If you're if your if your husband cheats on you but not if he's a genocidal maniac. Dude,
3: it's, it's legitimately the Vegeta thing where it's like, no, this guy is a planetary murderer, but nah, dude, he's okay. He's chill. He's good in him. <laughs> but,
0: but I loved him.
3: Yeah. Right. <laughs>
2: exactly. <Yeah>.
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, right? Like like funny enough, you know. Um that's like what how, that's how art feels about it, right? Like he's like he was kind to me. Like he was like we were friends for years and years and years and like it's hard for me to imagine that that was all fake um and and again i think it speaks to that kind of idea um that is something that is kind of echoed throughout invincible that like that again people are complicated right and that like we have different shades to us and we're different people in different situations so <clears throat> uh it, it's funny because earlier uh sean made a joke about how the cast of this story is just fucking enormous um, and one of the things we often like to do when we do our book clubs is like talk about characters and to even just talk about the characters who are like relevant actors, we could be an entire podcast because there's so fucking many of them. So <laughs> I think what I would like to do is, uh, build on something that, uh, that Sean threw out earlier where Sean, you had said that monster girl is your favorite character. Um, why don't you speak to that? And then I'd love to hear who everybody else's favorite
2: characters are. Well, first of all, Monster Girl is very unique. Like I've never seen a character like that who has she's regressing and then her her power is enormous, but it's tied into something that's me killing her, basically. Like eventually you're gonna you're gonna just die. And that's awfully horrible but she doesn't seem that bothered by it. Like she's down to clown. She's down to become <laughs> the monster when she has to. And I loved her attitude too, um, you know, and it's, and it's weird and awkward, um, but she's like, Hey, I'm an adult. I'm not a kid. You were looking at me like I'm a kid, but I'm not. She's like a 30 year old woman. <laughs> and, yeah. And I thought that that, that created interesting moments between her and the characters and her story is not, that's well it's it's somewhat sympathetic um but I could do without all that I don't need her to be sympathetic and so like in terms of her backstory you know, they tried to tell us that she was like this prissy girl and you know she 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 got cursed by her by her grandmother and I guess we' are supposed to feel bad for her it was uh she hooks up with a guy on a on a school trip and it's his grandmother. oh, it's his grandmother okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I guess we're supposed to feel bad for her. I kind of did. But at the end of the day, she don't care that much. So neither do I. She's having a blast. She's a monster. And she's just trying to hook up with somebody. And I was here for it. I think she's brilliant. (laughs) I love the visual of, like, you just so regularly see her, and she's, like,
0: you know, looks like she's, like, 10 years old or whatever, 12 years old, and she's, like, always smoking a cigarette. It's like, hilarious. It's so fucking funny. I love it.
4: Bro, my spirit animal.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> I, like
4: looks, I'm tw- I yeah. look like I'm 12 and uh, I'm horny all the time. <laughs> and I smoke a pack a
0: day.
5: A.K.A. Marco. Uh, <laughs> uh, my... my-
4: one of my favorite ancillary characters was is definitely um, Adam Eve, and I, and it's it's specifically because as things have like progressed with the story, you can kind of see where Kirkman's driving towards, and that's the kind of shit like like love triangle love triangles aside, I, I feel like there's definitely going to be something that's really uh, that's really palpable and really just kind of heart-wrenching when it comes to th- when he has to make his choice. Like, uh, like as of right now, he's chosen Amber. But I can only imagine that Kirkman has a larger story for that, where Adam Eve becomes, like, a central figure. I can only imagine, like, an infidelity thing. Like, th- there's just so much there that I feel can, for story, can be just, like, wrought from that yeah. I I really enjoyed her character. And and, uh, there's a part when they're in Africa and um, they're sitting on the roof and and she's like, you know, they're not like us. You should be with somebody. I feel like there's, uh, there's a lot of her inserting herself in order to be able to get with Mark that I thought was really, really just like good drama that I wanted, I wanted to see more of her, and especially like at the beginning, we see her with Rex, and then how she deals with that, how she leans on Mark, and there's just so much to her character that I want to, uh, I want to explore that and her, her relationship with Mark so much
3: more.
0: Totally, yeah, I I love Eve. Um, her powers are so cool too. Oh, yeah. they're
3: rad, dude. Don't you have the statue of Eve? Piece?
0: I do. Yeah. Uh, if you're on. YouTube, you can see behind me here I've got uh, all my invincible figures. You probably can't see Eve too well, but she's right above my finger there.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's that's his altar. It's a little crusty.
1: <laughs>
0: Alrighty. <laughs> I'm just gonna Sorry?
1: You projecting? Oh uh, wait, are, are you kidding? This is the invincible podcast. No, he's not. I'm projecting. <laughs> I'm
0: projecting all of me. Um, oh, no. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> it took Sean a second. <laughs> I like uh, I, I love um, I love her power set because it's very unique, right? But I also think it's really cool how um, one of the things that I I think Phil called out earlier is like the the book does a good job of kind of presenting popular things that happen in superhero stories or questions that you might have about a superhero, right? Like, oh, if you can do this, why the fuck would you be a superhero? Why don't you go feed the world? And she's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go do that.
2: And I, I get the spirit of that, but it felt so white savior for me, man.
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I feel like every white girl just decides like they want to go to Africa and like feed all the poor black kids, and it's just like, dude, please. Yeah, bro. and then come and then us, also there's America. that there's that sequence where she's like flying over them, and they're like, ah, and like no interest in. What she's doing, how she's helping them, who they are, what they need, how they feel. Just, I'm white. I'm going to come through, solve all your problems. No big deal.
1: I like, too, that when, uh, when she invites Mark and Amber, she's like, yeah, just come to Africa. And when they get there... There, she's like, Welcome to Africa. It's Africa. We're in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> what country? <laughs> oh, no, it's Africa.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's a country, right? <laughs>
0: I feel like uh, at this point, I think this is when Robert Kirkman was still poor and living in Kentucky. Maybe he couldn't afford a map or a globe. I don't know. <laughs> it was 2004. Yeah. The internet wasn't so good back then. <laughs> you get the, you get the church
1: missionary bullshit. It's, it's all there. It's uh, like, yeah, sure. right. <laughs>
0: Phil, how about you?
3: Omni-Man. Uh, not that I found him relatable necessarily, but he's, he's the character that, you know, gets the story going. Uh, I, I, in the beginning, I, I, I liked his kind of dad stuff, and I didn't see the twist coming, uh, and it turns everything on its head. He's the straw that stirs the drink here, um, and like the most interesting drama is the stuff that is happening with the uh, Grayson household. Because my other answer for a second, like for uh, non Mark characters, would have been Deborah, the mom, the wife, mm. like the whole fa- the whole family dynamic. I'm into because yeah. they're the
0: characters that are pushing this narrative along. Mm. Yeah, they have the most emotional subject matter to contend with. So, yeah, how about you, Kale? Uh, uh, I like the Mahler
1: clones. I love them. Oh, no, they're rad! I
0: fucking love them. Yeah, their whole
1: thing is just it's it's both hilarious and compelling.
0: I uh, th- that's another right, like the kind of like playing a trope really straight, right? Of just mm-hmm. like like I love when they have that conversation where they're like art. They're like, well, we theoretically could be second generation clones because we don't know which if the original <laughs> one was the original Mauler or if he was a clone, and like all this back and forth, like. <laughs> i uh i i like that it, it kind of is just like eh, oh well <laughs> i yeah i like i definitely like that they're smart enough that they d- certainly
1: could figure it out but it's an impediment to their progress so <laughs> whatever
3: yeah that's a good example Kel, of, of what i was talking about at the beginning where it kind of like subverts um like tropes and fictional stories like so often when you see something like that, there would be like a giant identity crisis of like,
0: well, who am I really? And it's really just that they're yeah. assholes, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that they like cannot work with themselves. <laughs> uh, yeah. They're, they're fun. Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough for me to pick a favorite character because I feel like there are like tiers of characters and I like different, ca- you know, kinds of characters at different levels. Um, but one of the characters who we haven't touched on a lot, who I really like, even though he is kind of like a more background character is um I always thought the immortal was really cool. like I love in the mm-hmm. episode where they show his backstory that it's like he's Abraham Lincoln and like he's just this immortal warrior who keeps like choosing a new identity every like hundred years or whatever and you know, just goes back out and rolls it again, sees how it goes um and in like the conversation he has with um with Black Samson about like why he was holding people at a distance and, and all that kind of stuff. Like I like, I like when stories about immortal characters, like actually contend with those kinds of things. And like the idea of the amount of like grief that would build up over time of like seeing how many, you know, friends and lovers and children and whatever that you've just totally eclipsed. Right.
4: That was one of the best issues of uh, Sandman. Like when we did that, mm-hmm. that was really, really compelling for that exact reason.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember there's like, he has this one line where he's like, I remember like the way that they all smell. I remember their favorite mm. foods. I remember their favorite books, like all those kinds of things. And like just the amount, like thinking of the amount of weight that that would place on you as an individual if you did still feel like a person, you know? If you didn't get so removed that you don't, you're not like a Dr. Manhattan type, right? Like you still feel like a man, um, but you've just, got all this baggage that you're constantly going to be carrying around.
2: I think immortal is one of the, the best examples of Kirkman's long form storytelling working well, because at first it's like, all right, whatever, who cares? And then you get to that issue and it's like, Oh, there really is someone here. Now you kind of want to root for him. Um, Or, or if you don't, you at least understand where he's coming from. And it actually recontextualizes everything you've seen before as it relates to him, because clearly, you know, he's only acting this way because he has trauma that he's uh, working through. And uh, I really appreciated that. I thought that was that was pretty good. So I wanted to talk a little bit about
0: kind of what is uh, what's next for the book and like what are the kind of threads that are are up in the air right now and, and kind of um, how you guys feel about them presently right so like obviously we talked a little bit about um, everything that's going on with Rick uh, and and the Rihanna men and DA Sinclair the you know the creepy scientist guy in the bell tower. Um, but, you know, I think the, the bigger looming story, right, is is the upcoming, you know, conflict with the, the Viltrumites, right, in that uh, the the resolution of, of Mark's reunition with his father, right, is that they're defeated, he is arrested, and, you know, um, being taken to, to either, you know, see trial or be executed, or we don't know, and you know they basically tell mark like okay like you've proven that you're strong enough for us to to entrust you this mission you've got a hundred years to figure it out we'll be there you're either ready to turn it over or we'll kill you right and then where we ended the arc uh, is that message that he gets from his father right read my books and he finally figures out what he meant by that he has this potential you know uh, these books that could key into weaknesses for the Viltramites and all these other things. Um, how did you guys feel about that as being kind of where we left the story for now?
2: I think that was a that was a pretty good um, ending place. And I really like that as a obviously, it's a way more of a cliffhanger for us because we're not going to You know, we're not necessarily going back to this next month. You know, issue 36, we're not going to be reading that next month. Um, But if you were reading this week to week or month to month, uh, that's pretty cool. Like, man, okay, they just got completely smoked by these Viltrumites. It looks like there's no way to beat them. Um, And now we know that not only is there a way, but that Omni-Man kind of put that in his books. And it's like, well, wait, why did he do that? Was Mm -hmm. he kind of always... Thinking that something might happen like this where that might be necessary, we don't know. Um, so I don't need those answers right now. Um, but it was still cool that that got threaded in, yeah. And I'm actually intrigued to see where that goes.
3: Um, Pete, you can tell us the truth, right? Mark turns over to planet in the next hundred years, right? Yes, I don't know.
5: <sighs>
3: Have to tune into the next book club, okay. okay.
4: <laughs> I'm I was super upset that the Future Eve told Mark yeah. that that um the way she felt that was fucked up and super selfish.
3: Who the fuck does that when you're from the
0: future? I love the rules? I love that she gets <laughs> called out by like uh Yeah, yeah. Robots like what the fuck was that? Like
2: uh... To be honest, that moment um really took me out because it it, it spoke Oh, Sean, you a... lost your camera. Could you? Oh. Uh am I here? No, no you sure aren't. What okay, the hell? There. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I am trying to get it back now. Uh here there we go. Are. Okay, cool. Um, so one of the things that I felt about this book that I was a little frustrated by was how often Mark um gets away with things or gets the easy answer or whatever. The first time we saw that was when he quits his job and he's like, damn, my dad's going to be so mad. And his dad is like, well, why don't you just quit your job? Um, He doesn't have to wrestle with whether or not he feels something for Adam Eve or whether or not she feels something for him or anything like that. He just plainly gets the answer on top of that. It comes right after he's stranded on this planet where he Mm -hmm. just bodied some guy and is like in this extreme crisis, he gets rescued and he gets an answer on this question that he doesn't even really know was a question and i felt like well damn let the story play itself out um don't just force feed this moment It, it felt very um jammed and there were so many instances where i felt like no don't give mark the easy way out let him work through this um and i'm just not sure why why kirkman made decisions like that sometimes it really was just i just didn't get that
4: i think that was one of the first moments i felt it and like uh, then he meets with art and like kind of talks shit through and i was like ah, i don't know man like i had that sort of built out i guess for me it would have felt more organic had that been built out where he he himself feels those things and has those conversations with with eve um because yeah that, that was that felt very heavy handed in okay, well here's like a new plot thread or something.
0: Yeah, right, because like if he had been struggling with those feelings, even if he gets that information in the same way, then it's like you throw gasoline on a fire that's already burning rather than like yeah. igniting the fire.
4: Mm-hmm. I think that's fair to say. So that said, super fucking interested
0: in what happens. <laughs> good. I'm glad. I'm glad that you're still on the hook for it. Uh so <clears throat> let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about about the art. Um, so Sean touched on earlier, right? Uh, the first few issues of the book were drawn by Invincible's co-creator Corey Walker. Um, I believe it's issue seven is where, where Ryan yeah. Otley comes on. And um, then Otley was the artist throughout the, the remainder of the run of the book. Uh, with, like, one or two exceptions. There's, like, one arc, I think, later on where Corey came on for it as a guest for a while. Um, but for the most part, from then on, it's it's Ryan, right? And, um, you know, I've, I've said on the show before, I've interviewed him on the YouTube channel and stuff, Ryan Otley's my favorite artist because of Invincible. Um, and I, I actually agree with you, Sean, that, like, I, I didn't uh, connect with Corey's art. Um, when I first read the book and it was, it wasn't, um, I think, I think the book benefits from the fact that Ryan comes on shortly before the book actually really picks up.
2: Yeah. Um, so this book is one of the, the first that I can think of uh, that I've read where it really kind of builds from an art perspective in the sense that when it starts the artist eh, and then Ryan comes on, it's good. It's, it's an improvement, but there's still, um, work to be done. Then a new inker comes on, and you can see that uh, this new inker uh is able to um bring a little bit more out of Ryan's work. And then yeah. I feel like Ryan also got better. So then the, the even the um, even the letters improve as they bring on uh, Russ Wooten, who is a tremendous inker uh, or letter. I'm sorry, and now Kirkman doesn't have to do that. Yeah, so fun fact
0: Kirkman the- lettered the first seven issues as well. Yeah.
2: More or no, right? Oh, is it longer than that? When did he come? Yeah, out? I feel like Russ came on a little, a little bit later. I'll figure that out. Um, you but in any event, by the time that we end the 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 the, the story for us, at least up to this point, uh now it feels fully formed, and I've seen later art and mm-hmm. seen how the book improves even more, and it's wild how much better it's gonna get from where it is now. So it's been cool to watch the evolution. And I do think that Ryan is a better fit. He's clearly comfortable depicting the moments of hyper-violence and the, the cool superhero parts, but also the parts where um, it's a little more emotional. I don't think that those moments work as well for him. I don't think they showcase his, his uh, qualities as well as the really like violent parts do, but he's very talented. There's no doubt about it
3: yeah I, I wonder sean if like we we've all read these issues and we all thought they were good but i wonder if like if you read it month to month as it came out as pete did like
0: you feel that heat did. Because... i did but not originally so just for context i started reading the book it had already been out for a few years and i think uh-huh. i jumped on around the 80s oh wow 70s, 80s. Oh, never mind um it's like by the time 100 came out, I had already been reading it month to month for probably a year or so. I was
3: even a fan. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Thank you for my man. Uh, no, my point is, because you're right, Sean. You, you see the art really grow. And I think you also see the writing improve. And I wonder if you read it month to month as you, like you know, we're young and you grew older reading along with it, you, you know, you feel that growth
0: along with the book that makes it more near and dear to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I know I felt that way uh, later on in the run. Um, and there's not, there's not much I can say about that without spoiling things. I want you guys to find out for yourselves, but um, it was a book that I felt grew with me. Mark gives the planet over. Okay.
4: <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like it was definitely like, from a form perspective, there were definitely body issues that Walker had that Otley sort of fixed. Um, but I feel like it wasn't as change. There wasn't as drastic a change for me. I thought yeah. Otley's Otley's art was was fine. It was better than Corey's, but I didn't think that it was as great an improvement necessarily. I just thought that you know, like there are some issues that he had that were addressed, but I didn't feel like it was. Uh, any changes sort of elevated it necessarily um that was the one thing that i think um and uh and no shade on ryan otley um pete but like he he was fine
0: i i I wasn't i wasn't necessarily impressed well i think i think uh I would say that I I'm not necessarily surprised that you feel that way given how much I've talked about how much I like his work and that maybe that's what it <laughs> is. But again, right <laughs> to the point that you guys made, he he his style evolves a lot over the course of this book. He drew this book for 10 years.
2: Sure. I, yeah, like I I don't know much about what happens, but just having picked up those two issues that I spoke about earlier, I know for a fact that the art gets better. Yeah. Sure. Okay.
1: We saw his even his stuff on spider-man i was about to say that too yeah yeah yeah. here fairly recently is leagues better than
0: yeah or improved
1: over what we read in in these issues right
0: yeah and and there's there's context there right like he was a much younger artist uh Mm -hmm. this was his first monthly uh comic gig um so there's there's things there right like you you'll see his art develop quite a bit over these next several issues um that's for sure uh, it was funny. He actually, I, I mentioned he made a post about um, the issue. It was the second one where he introduced Monster Girl on Twitter today, and he he made a comment about how it was like over like over a decade ago, you know? And he's like, "Man, time flies." <laughs> it's like, yeah, um, that was. I mean, that this book is like his whole career, you know? It's like this in Spider Man. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like you, Pete. There you go. <laughs> I mean, shit, right? To go from this to Spider-Man, I think, also speaks about how much better his art gets. (laughs) That's the big show.
2: (laughs) If only he was able to be a little more consistent in terms of getting things done fast. Because that Spider-Man run just does not feature his art very much.
0: No, it's like not nearly enough. Um, Yeah, yeah, and I, I think he is an artist that likes to take his time. And like Invincible was a book that definitely experienced delays here and there because of that, and some of the bigger arcs because he wanted to get it right. Um, cool, yeah. So Kale, did you have anything you wanted to throw in there about the art? Um,
1: nothing, nothing that hasn't been said. No, cool. Um, for me, reading in the compendium, I felt that uh, it was Corey Walker is his, the first his, artist, he, yeah. Yeah, his his work, it it feel it's not a, a drastic jump from his to Ryan's art. Mm. Like there they're the uh uh Kirkman made a really good decision with oddly, in that the 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 style jump wasn't like jarring, yeah, completely jarring, yeah,
0: yeah. I remember when I read it the first time, I actually didn't realize the art had changed until. I was, like, an issue or two after it had switched, and I was like, oh, shit, yeah, this is way different. Yeah,
1: <laughs> True, truly, like, it it always takes me a while to settle into Ryan Otley's art when I read it that way. Sure, sure. Has uh,
0: Crabtree always been the colorist,
4: like, throughout the whole thing?
0: Mm, I don't think he was for the... Fr- I think he came on with Otley. I'd have okay. to double-check that, because I think Walker did colors for his own art. Because I feel like he
4: also improved. I, I think at the very beginning, Walker's colors were super flat. Um, and that style kind of stayed a little more consistent throughout um, a bit of the run. And then towards the end, like I, I was flipping through right now. And one of the things that I saw was like in the um, in the Mantis Planet when the Vitriums plug come in, there's yeah. a lot more of a
0: variance of, of color. Um, There's a lot of stuff like this in the early issues, where it's like yeah. more like muted, like natural, like earth tones or pastels and stuff. And that
2: is Crabtree. He was around from from the very first issue. Okay. Was he? There okay, so
4: he he definitely. I, I feel like I I could I could see him definitely grow.
0: Yeah, yeah. The colors definitely get more dynamic as things goes things go on. Um, and I also think that. Um, as they get to more exotic locales, there's more opportunity for that kind of stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. coloring an alien world, drawing an alien world, you're going to have a little bit more room to play around. Yeah, this... the Angstrom levy stuff was was definitely, like, when, when you start going, like, through the dimensions,
4: I definitely saw it then.
0: Yeah, I think it's issue 33 is, like, one of my favorite covers in the whole series. It's the one where it's Angstrom and it's got that really, like hyper green background and it's just that close up on his face and he's got kind of like this pink hue on him and he just looks fucking insane um great great cover
2: this might not actually be a thing but i i kind of wonder because this book is a book that takes place over many 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 years um and i wonder how advancements in technology and art Mm. impacted that at all ah
0: that's interesting yeah i hadn't thought about that because you'd have to imagine like digital it was early yeah right i mean the first issue of invincible's oh three and where we stopped i think it's oh five at that point maybe early Two thousand six. 2006, yeah that's the yeah that's the one thank you marco yeah, was just that pulling was that up it's i really love good. that fucking cover
3: um talking about the art i was looking for the specific uh uh two pages I had in my mind and I just can't remember what issue it was. It's issue 29. It's 13 pages in it's, it's this two page splash play uh, page where um, you see all these panels behind them, but then you like, this is a good good example of just the art really shining uh, where Omni man and and Mark, they're all bloodied up and stuff. And it really accentuates like the very comic book quality uh, of this, of this story uh it's great work by Otley here Mm.
2: some of the sometimes the blood was a little bit like it kind of took me out just because like there are moments where like the blood is just sitting on mark's face and it's so bloody and so crazy that it's just like "Mm, come on you know Um, you would wipe that off (laughs) yeah 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 like you would wipe that off like it would run maybe like it just sits there like painted on his face
0: a little static this page right steve uh (laughs) phil what's my name i called you steve
2: (laughs) Steve the science
0: dog (laughs) hold on let me see that again the this one right the yep that's the one that's that's the very one yeah that's good i remember looking at that page and i was like i think marco will like this page (laughs) (laughs) um I love, uh, yeah, I love when Otley does those those spreads where there's still the panels behind it. Yeah, that's um, awesome. I love that. I love that, uh, and that's something that he he does a lot when there are like big fights that he wants to like make feel like there's like you know a scope to it um, that you can get all of those individual beat for beat moments um, with then this kind of like very dynamic image kind of put over top of it um that's i love that as uh, a way that he he handles splash pages so uh the last thing i guess i wanted to try and and touch on right was we talked about our favorite characters and um and kind of the trajectory of a book as a whole and i wanted to uh kind of end the conversation um you know i think with with our with our main character here with mark right um, what did you guys think about Mark as a protagonist, right? So um, remove the the, um, the element of kind of that, that thing that Sean was talking about, right, in terms of like some of the way that Kirkman has addressed problem solving. But like, how did you feel about him as a POV character? Was he a character that you wanted to root for? Is, is he a character that um, you found yourself self able to connect with? I, I definitely did. Um, I think towards the
4: beginning, he felt like he was kind of getting taken along by the story. And it wasn't until his very like, decisive decision to go, hey, no, I'm gonna go off planet and like help these people and do do the things that I want to do. And to help exemplify the kind of character that he has, that I, I really connected with him. But otherwise, yeah, I think he was he's good. He's really compelling. He's somebody who you can definitely see yourself kind of in because he gets put in situations where, you know, outside of the, 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 the problem solving, he, he reacts, I feel like genuinely for me. And uh, I enjoyed that. And I thought that that was something that I, as I was reading along, I could connect with and it, it helped me feel for Mark in a lot of ways.
2: I, um. I don't know, like I wanted to like him and I and I did in spaces but um, he doesn't really make a lot of decisions and I like characters who are actors, I like characters who are forced to make choices and I don't really feel like he does and the ones that he makes are pretty like straightforward like yes, you would do this you yeah. know like um, I will go you know, to
3: school today <laughs>
2: <laughs> like you know will he uh go and off to this planet like what marco just said you know it, it is a choice he's choosing to do it against with re- the resistance of cecil but it doesn't feel like it doesn't f- it, it feels like yeah, duh it's his you destiny know? right uh versus something that he has to contend with um and there's no consequence to it because Cecil's not going to fire him. He's not going to nothing materially bad is going to is promised to Mark. If he goes, he's just like, yeah, screw you. I'm going to go. And that's it. And it works out and, anyway, right? Like, <laughs> and it, and it, of course. And it works out perfectly. He even even when he's on that planet in the fight with the uh, with the Viltrumites, you know, I was like, oh, my God, like he lost. What the hell is going to happen now? That was the most arrested i was when he lost and then they're just like all right you proved that you can hang go back to earth and just be that our chill. envoy over there and i was like damn man <laughs> like, you had a chance to do something and you didn't and i wish that kirkman would be bolder um so you can hear that i'm a little bit frustrated by it and it's because i actually genuinely feel like there's so much yeah. here and i wanted to rise above and it hasn't quite yet and i'm excited to see what's going to happen but i don't want to be disappointed Yo, let's just do part two next month guys i mean I'm just like
0: <laughs> falcon and winter soldier like do we need to do a book club for that i'm just saying Fuck it
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um also i i can't we cannot get through this book club without me pointing out that and i i understand that this is these things are a product of their time and i you know i get it but like he also is homophobic in a way that a lot of people were casually in those years mm-hmm. um, that, you know, I'm not going to ding it for too, too hard because I get it. But it's still a thing that is like, eh, I don't know about this. And then he also says someone's something or someone is retarded. Yeah. And yep. that was a like times, a little, yeah. you know, um. So those were things that I was like, ah oh, man, Robert, where are you coming from with that word? <laughs> yeah, Remember dude, that word. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought
0: that up. That's I like I I said I've got my all my oh, notes. Sorry,
2: dude. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good.
0: I wanted to talk about it here. Um, and, and I was I was gonna wait until everybody else had said it, and then I was gonna go on that. But um, yeah, let's pull on that thread, right? So, um, that is the thing, because right in this this reread, my my overall takeaway is that um. I think the book has has mostly aged well. Like It it is living up to my memory of it, which is not always the case when you go back to something that was formative for you, uh, especially at a time where you were more immature. Um, And that is the thing, the thing that sticks out to me more than anything is just like, Stuff that is that just hasn't aged well, right? That is like stuff that was um, super commonplace at that time, right? In 2003, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know a young high school to college age boy um, that wasn't saying, you know, retarded or gay or whatever in these like casually casual um, ways, you know, that are that are like not not cool. Um, I will say, I remember uh, that the book circles back around on some of that stuff at some point i'm interested to see how i feel about its resolution of that and like how it addresses the fact that that's something that is present in the earlier parts of the book um just because it doesn't yeah because it 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 yeah it rings bad right like that's that doesn't work and it's like especially because it's stuff that is so uh like throw away you know like it's like when he says the thing that's um when he says retarded right like he's literally like just talking about a thing and he's like that's dumb like that's what he means it didn't need to be charged and you know that word wasn't the same uh, the same amount of charged in 2003 but a lot of words that we wouldn't say now uh weren't at one point right so
2: that is i give sorry i i give a lot of i give creators a lot of grace for things like that because like even in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's some some of that. Um, and I love that show. And, and forget about the Joss Whedon part, because I'm not yeah, yeah. that's not what this is about. But like there's a lot of that type of stuff that does happen. Um, the only reason why it really stuck out to me was because of the the amount of times where it's like, Oh, this is gay, or you're gay, or this is gay, or you're this is gay. His it's uh, like a lot, like, whoa. Yeah, his really? roommate wasn't it, in college.
4: Wasn't it like three times.
2: It, it wasn't, man. There was a sequence. There's a sequence where he flies with his friend, um, and ones. he's like, "Oh, this is gay." Then he then he flies with someone else, and that it's person's with Eve. like, "Yes," right, and she it's says right. it. But then he right. also flies with uh, the the really muscular black dude. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and he, and, and he's like, uh, "Oh, the Sidney uh, Rock guy." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like, "This is," and then Mark's like, "You don't have to say it." Um, yeah. Then when they're in the, when they're in college and they're in the dorm, he's like, oh, you came for me first. Oh, that's gay. And then he's like, no, you're gay because you wanted me to be here for you first. Uh It's like, there's a lot, it's a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and to, to Marco's point, like it's, it's probably four or five times through the 35 issues that we read, but like, it's enough. Like it's a running joke, you
2: know? It's a, it is a joke. It's a, it is a running joke. And that's what, if it was a singular instance or a couple of times, I would, I probably wouldn't have said anything, but you know.
0: Yeah. uh, If it had just been the first time with William, I think it would be like, okay, like, but it's the fact that you go back to that well and that it's like, oh yeah, this was fine. Right. Like, and it wasn't. (laughs) Maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like even
3: like 15 years ago, as like yeah people said it but like
0: harping back on it always felt
3: awkward
5: i don't know um i don't i mean crazy like,
0: i i get what you're saying but i, I think it's just kind of like I, i'm i'm with sean in terms of like i don't feel like it feels particularly egregious or charged compared to anything else of that time you okay. know like you go back and watch like a comedy like go watch super bad right now right like there's a whole section of super bad where they're like, you're a fag, you're, you know, and it's like, that's what okay. they're doing, you know? And it's like, that's not cool, but that was a thing that people were doing at that time, you know? And it's like, I'm not trying to defend it. That's, I, I it's, it's, I that's why I wanted to call it out because yeah. as a book that I've said is my favorite and right, like, it's a thing that does embarrass me about it. um, Because mm. it, yeah, it's, it's childish. It's immature.
5: Mm.
2: That said, uh, I'm definitely not even, I'm not trying to say that I think there's anything behind it. I, 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 I'm sure. pretty sure there's, yeah, that. I
0: think yeah. I, I am confident to say as somebody who has read enough of Kirkman's work to say that, like, I don't think that that's representative of his attitudes or politics. Um, for,
4: for the, for the time that it was, I think it, it meant what it was in that reference frame and like, that was the extent of it, uh, at least the way that I'd read it, um, yeah know, yeah. like yeah. Pete's ableist and uh, oh homophobic.
1: Oh my God, come on! <laughs> oh, have, your favorite book i I always <laughs> had to
3: bite my tongue uh, from making those jokes.
5: <laughs>
2: I also really wish that like the black characters weren't either in comas or evil or like irrelevant. Um, and there's no other diversity almost at all i mean um, like
0: yeah like all of the characters that are not white are like you know they're characters we haven't spent a lot of time with
2: yeah yeah
0: um right because even like like duplicate isn't in, introduced in the first like couple issues and it's like how how often has she had like anything to do <laughs>
2: she's also like the big the biggest thing i can remember about her is that you know immortal is you know with having her. sex with her yeah yeah Right. Well,
1: and so was so was Rex, and right. I, If I'm not mistaken, I feel like later on that's a, a whole plot thing too.
0: Uh, well, if you don't know them, I do. I I, I can't. It's one of those <laughs> things of like, how do I talk? I can't speak to that without saying yeah. things.
1: Um, but also her powers are based on like a whole, uh, like you know almost racial stereotype oh the ancient chinese you know
0: i mean to be fair so so is monster girl right like her powers are also from an ancient it's like oh it's an ancient gypsy woman magic thing it's like i feel like that's kind of like a tropey thing that it's leaning into but
3: oh i like this part of the the book club where everyone comes nitpicks pete's favorite book and pete has to
0: defend it Said that's not what I'm doing, but okay.
2: <laughs> I think it's I think it's 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 fair to point yeah. these things out, and and Pete certainly is not. Um, he clearly gets it, so mm-hmm. thank you. Uh, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just rising him. Uh, yeah. Let's keep kicking him while he's down. This <laughs> so is going pretty well so far, so
0: I'll take it. <laughs> um i uh i think that that is one of the things that um you know we talked about it on the the show proper a few weeks ago right about like what is so exciting about the animated series um and that it is that there it's it's kind of be a reimagining as much as it is a retelling um and i think it'll be cool to see the ways in which it can kind of um you know like (laughs) clean up some of the parts that uh that have not aged well and can kind of um you know, try to try to do something a little bit different. I'm uh, we'll- so glad
2: you said that because the the one of the immediate thoughts I had after finishing the reading was, um, man, I would kill to see a version of this story that is modernized and uh, compressed because mm-hmm. I feel like my absolute biggest problem with this book was that there was too much dialogue. That was irrelevant and not enough dialogue about what was relevant. I cannot tell you how many times I literally looked at the page, (laughs) saw that the characters were talking about nothing and skipped it. And I, I think that that part of that is probably due to the way that storytelling and comics has changed since 2003. Now writers are a lot more comfortable with letting the art do what the art does and let the dialogue tell you things that the art can't tell you mm. um, or that there's a marriage there. But there were so many times where you could look on the page, see what's there, and then know what's happening. And then the dialogue is just telling you what you're seeing or saying something that is irrelevant or reiterating a point that's been made several times. Sure, sure. And that grated on me hard. Um, in addition there were a lot of times where the same thing would happen over and over again how many times did the the two like the oh i'm a clone i'm not a clone those guys how many times did they have <laughs> that thing happen and it's like okay yeah this is funny i really enjoyed it the first two times and then it's just like okay this keeps happening how many times do we see that the mom drinks they showed that like every issue how many times did we see that um uh mark had to dip out on somebody like that happens every issue so i would love to see i i I feel like this could have been 20 issues or 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 25 issues if you cut out the fat so in a version of this story that's going to be animated or even if they went back to it in comics i would love to see how they would approach it now what has robert learned that can make this story better and I think we're going to get that with the animated series. And you... uh, that was that. I think that's
0: a, a thing that's interesting to, to look at this with this book, too. And it's true of The Walking Dead as well. Right. That like Robert worked on both of these books for so long and that when he started them, he was very, very blue. Like he was a new writer. He had not done that much. Um, and he was fairly young in his career. And, you know, you see his voice and his style evolve a lot over the course of the 13 years of the run, you know? Yeah. Were you guys gonna say something about the fact that I said he was a blue writer? That's a he's green. Oh, so green is the term. Got it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Gil. Blue blue means he's like sad. Well, well, no, it means Joe. he's like raunchy. And... Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Right. Didn't yeah. mean that he, one. He, it, <laughs> he, he uses words like retarded and gay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> uh, yeah i I'll be honest. I, I think that this book is a lot better it's a lot more um the concept of it and the ideas that he has are better than his ability as a writer. I don't feel like there's a lot of uh style or like high quality high quality dialogue and things like that throughout this book at least to this point. I feel like this book works based on the idea that he has um and the fact that a lot of people love, you know, interpersonal drama between teenagers. And that, I think, is what he gets by on, at least to this point. I don't think he's like this amazing writer yet.
0: Cool. I uh, I am – well, I'll say this. Uh, this has been a huge pleasure. I've been wanting to talk about this book with you guys for years, um, and this was super enjoyable. I think we had a great discussion about it. And I am – based on the specific criticisms that you guys have laid out i am so excited to talk to you about the next uh similar chunk of the story um because i think i think a lot of those um notes will be addressed and i'm excited to see uh how you guys react to it as it ebbs and flows from here um so yeah for you guys at home um if you want to let us know what you thought of the book. Please write in. Um, I'd love to hear about the thoughts. We will be, of course, talking about the uh, the show week to week uh, for the next eight weeks. Uh, make sure you tune in to We Watch Invincible uh, next Friday for the first episode. We'll be reviewing the first three episodes that drop, um, and I'm looking forward to getting to talk about it a little bit more. So before we uh, we land the plane here and head home, um, you know, we'll wrap it up. We'll give our kind of final thoughts. Um, your you know, if you want to throw a number on it, feel free. And then if you want to talk about with whether or not you'd recommend somebody else, check it out. Um,
2: Sean, why don't you start? Uh, sorry. I don't know if you care, but the show starts this week. But oh, this won't be out uh, until... Well, no. Oh, you're right.
0: This comes out the following week. You're right. Yeah. I'm thinking it's coming out now, the day we're recording it, <laughs> which makes no sense. So, it, last week... So it's already up. You can go check. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Check it out. Uh, our first Ooh, yeah, episode. Absolutely. Quickly,
1: um, the the deal on Amazon
5: <clears throat>
1: on Amazon Prime Volumes 1 through 3 are free with your Prime subscription from March 22nd to May 4th. Oh, that's beautiful. pretty good. Beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Get read
2: Yeah, check it out. Um, uh, so, Sean? yeah, final thoughts. I think that uh, this is a world that I'm very happy to be Uh, In, I think that there's a lot of really interesting characters and, you know, um, compelling stories that are being told. I'm a sucker for, you know, like I said, like that teenage drama and that, you know, all that type of jazz um, and the familial drama. So all that is really cool. Um, And I think that whether or not because I just I just finished saying that I don't think that Robert is super talented yet. um, But whether or not that's the case, his passion and his love for comics and for this story shines through. And I think that's why this story connected with so many people at the time, because I think that that overshadows whatever flaws it has, um, Mm. especially for someone who is reading this monthly in 2003. So I'm definitely in for the ride in terms of wanting to see what's going to happen next. I know based on things that I've read from Kirkman since then, that he is a very, very talented writer and creator. So I can't wait to see how he grows. This book is not just the story of Mark and his journey into adulthood and beyond, but the story of the creators and their journey um, from starting out as you know creators who were kind of green to becoming juggernauts of the industry. So that's a really interesting thing, really kind of unique in comics. And I can't wait to see where it goes.
4: Yeah. I second a lot of what Sean just said. Um, I think for me, I'm definitely interested to see where it goes from here. So I'm I'm gonna be finishing the compendium. Uh it's hopefully it's not as unsatisfactory as Kale said it
0: was. But it will be. I mean, the beautiful right. thing, Marco, is you could just keep reading.
4: <laughs> God damn it. That's like another like eighty bucks for this goddamn compendium that I'm gonna have to read. Um, but it'll I feel like it'll be well worth it. And um, yeah, it's a super fun book. I think what the creators have done here is fun. It's engaging and it's just really good work. And I want to see how this is probably one of my first Kirkman books as well. Uh, I don't think I've read anything else by him. So I'm, I'm also interested to see how he's going to grow as a writer, um, by reading through, by reading this and yeah, absolutely would recommend this book too. I think I've gave, I've given it to my brother. He's just a little bit farther ahead. Before I had to steal it back and be like, I'm doing a book club on this. I have to read it. Oh, nice. Um, yeah,
3: yeah and, and he's like, he's like, oh, you're gonna enjoy it. I'm like, dope, cool. Yeah, I would definitely with this Amazon deal too. I would definitely recommend it. I I guess I hadn't realized until what Marco pointed out I have never read a Robert Kirkman book before. I've never read Walking Dead or anything like that. um I think this is really novel. uh It takes me back to um, a different time period. I, I uh, this is when invincible is coming out was those were like the a lot of the comic books i was reading at the time were those like late 90s early 2000s stuff so it kind of takes me back to like my childhood and i do think if i was reading this back then i probably would be like pete and sing the praises of it because i think this is i think there's a lot to be hooked on with this uh yeah i'm glad we read it pete
1: i'm
0: glad you feel that way
1: kale uh yeah no this is a tremendous book um it feels exactly like someone who made a superhero in high school and got away with it and is now <laughs> you know telling a successful story yeah um he's living the dream um i'd highly recommend this book to anyone who um likes superheroes like yeah it's not even a question
0: yeah so to land the plane on my thoughts right i Said at the top, it's my favorite book of all time. Um, I love Invincible. It struck a chord with me at the right time. Um, it was a huge motivator for me to get into image and to explore more indie comics. And it was it was a good um, gateway drug to those things because it felt familiar to me because it is in a lot of a lot of ways a lot like a Spider-Man story. Um, but you know was able to kind of swerve in ways that um, big two books are are not always allowed. So, yeah, that was something that immediately struck a chord with me. And, and I think, um, like Sean said, right, the, the kind of, like, meta narrative of of Kirkman and Otley kind of being these, like, young, rough-around-the-edges, like, new writer and artist team that, you know, um, like, at this point, Kirkman had done stuff for Marvel and, and whatever. what certainly wasn't his first outing, but, you know, these are guys nobody's ever really heard of. Um, and then they you know, became um, who they are today, right? Um, And you see that play out through this book and you get to go on this journey with not just Mark as a character, but with them as creators. Um, And I know that I I found that to be uh, really rewarding and it it made me a longtime fan of both of them for that reason. Um, So yeah, I am... I'm glad uh, the cartoon exists because I was finally able to find a way to force you guys to read it. Uh, And uh, it worked out perfectly for me. Finally got to. So uh, thank you to uh, everyone who tuned in. Thank you to those listeners who requested, who wrote in, uh, who wanted to see this, who read along with us um let us know what you thought and uh make sure you go tune in again uh for our first episode of we watch invincible we'll have the next one for you later this week uh, where we'll tune in for episode four and uh we'll be keeping up with it and um of course you know uh when season two rolls around we'll be back for another one of these bad boys if i have anything to say about it so uh yeah thanks to everybody again who tuned in um make sure you go check out the weekly show the comics pals if this is your first book club uh That's our weekly news show where we get into everything that's going on in the world of comics, Um, the news, the characters, the movies, the TV shows, all that stuff. Um, So if that's up your alley and you like this, go check it out. We also have a huge library of book clubs. Uh, So if you enjoyed this conversation, I'm sure that we have talked about one of your favorite books. Uh, And as Sean likes to say, I challenge you to go find that we haven't covered one of your favorite books. And if we haven't, you let us know and we'll do it. So with that... We've been the Comics Pals. We'll see you next week. Next week. Next month for another edition of the Comics Pals Book Club. Take it easy, everybody. Take care, guys.